My mom is actually the exact same age as I was when she started running their business with my dad. And I asked her recently, I said, when does it feel like you're not trying to keep your head above water? And she laughed at me and she's like, never. I mean, you're forever going to be looking to get it perfect and right. You're listening to the You Might Be a Badass podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Todd, an average everyday girl with a nine to five job and a passion for storytelling. This podcast takes you behind the scenes in discovering truly inspiring personal success stories from all kinds of individuals and how they paved their way into becoming their own version of a badass. I speak with entrepreneurs, nine to fivers, stay-at-home moms, athletes, and everyone in between. My goal is to discover the different depths in which we define what it means to be successful. Success means something different to every person, and ultimately, if you're pursuing your passions and living life to the fullest, you too just might be a badass. One of my favorite Disney movies of all time is Ratatouille. Honestly, who couldn't fall in love with that little rat that loves to cook so much? In that film, the infamous character Chef Gusteau says this, What I say is true, anyone can cook, but only the fearless can be great. I know it may seem a little silly to quote an animated movie, but I always thought that that line was so beautiful and true. Sure, anyone can cook a pot of macaroni and cheese by following the instructions on the box. No hate there, craft is delicious, but it's those who come into the kitchen with a passion for food that take ingredients and actually transform them into something so much more magnificent. That's where today's guest, Emily, comes in. She is a true fearless cook because she isn't afraid to experiment and always play around with her recipes in an effort to make them as perfect as they can be. She's also created four uniquely creative spice blends and is on her way to adding a few more to the collection in the hopes to bring others the confidence in the kitchen that they too can make anything they set their heart or stomachs on. Today's episode is really special because Emily found her love for cooking in such a natural way, introducing family recipes to her friends and learning just how much joy and comfort it brought others. She decided to take the plunge and give it her 100% effort and leave her nine to five job, a true passion business that will surely inspire others to go after what they love to do as well. Bon appetit. Awesome. Emily, so excited to have you join me today. Thank you for being here. Thank you. I'm really excited and I feel very honored. So thank you very much. Well, it is my pleasure. Um, Let's just dive right in. Um, Tell everybody your name and what it is that you do. Yeah, um, I'm Emily Jilg. Um, Still getting used to Jilg. I used to be Emily Vale Pondo. But Emily Jilg, um, and what do I do? Um, I have started a food kind of community that, um, you know, invites women and men, but primarily I focus on connecting with women and um, teaching them tricks and tips in the kitchen and helping them feel a little bit more confident and comfortable cooking um, and empowering them to create really interesting, different, unique flavors. And with that, I have created my own line of spice blends. Um, I have four out right now, but um, the, I created them with the idea in mind to to make you know, people feel like they can create something in the kitchen that maybe they've never made before, something that they wouldn't typically um, cook. And it doesn't have to be scary. And if you do mess up, it's okay. It's all about um, just kind of getting more confident in the kitchen. Yeah, I like that. I feel like there's all this pressure to um, succeed in putting a meal together. And if it doesn't mm-hmm. taste right, you know, you kind of get all nervous or self-conscious. But mm-hmm. I do like that, building that confidence and, and empowering people to mess up if, totally. if it happens. Absolutely. <laughs> That's I awesome. still I still mess up. I mean, I still like tell my husband Michael, like, oh, I should have done this. And sometimes it's easy to kind of 
I don't know, beat yourself up about it. But my whole point is like, you learn from what you make, you know, and it, everybody, no chef is perfect. No home cook is perfect. So that's what I like to, to focus on. Yeah, that's so true. Um, well, I want to talk a little bit before we get into specifics. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about how you got here. Um, where did you first discover your passion for cooking? Um, you know, my family has always, our, our whole family has kind of always revolved around food and centered on cooking and being in the kitchen together and creating um, really unique flavors. So since I was a kid, my mom and my dad taught me a lot of cooking and a lot of what I know today. Um, it wasn't until probably college that um, I really started to focus on it as more of a passion. And there's one story that I like, I always think about, it was kind of like that defining kind of moment was I went to school in the Midwest and um, I really missed like spicy food and we weren't really getting that in the dorms. We were getting like fried chicken, mashed potatoes and peas, you know, sure, which, is, yeah. which is great. Yeah. But I'm like, I want something that is like spicy and different and interesting. So I made some literally in my dorm kitchen, which was about the size of a bathroom, like a small bathroom. Yeah. And, um, I made this Indian spiced oak roasted okra and what? about yeah <laughs> in your dorm in my dorm and I had about 15 people come into the kitchen like what are you making it smells incredible I've never smelled anything like this before oh my god and I'm like oh I'm just you know making Indian spiced roasted okra it just sounded good to me and <laughs> I was like at that moment I was kind of like okay I really enjoy this. And, um, you know, maybe people are kind of interested in these flavors. So that was kind of like the moment that I really was like, okay, I I like cooking. And I, it kind of continued and throughout college and, um, by my senior year, my girlfriends would, you know, be like, Emily, can you make us dinner? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, what do you want? Like, I'll make some like chili verde. Like, make some good Mexican food, you know? Um, and you know, after, after that, well, we'll get into to more of that, but that's kind of like where I feel like the passion in my like gut kind of started the passion yeah. in my heart started. I love that. Isn't that the best feeling when people are so receptive, you know, mm-hmm. like, Oh my God, this tastes amazing. Or, Oh, that smells so good. Or mm-hmm. I have to have this recipe. That's the best feeling ever. Yeah, it is. And it, it was kind of came as a little bit of like a surprise. Like it was very organic in the sense that I thought everybody kind of just liked cooking and everybody liked, you know, it, like it wasn't like some, I wasn't doing something special. Um, sure. I didn't really feel like that until probably like college when people were like asking and, you know, wanting to know more and eat more. <laughs> <laughs> Always eat more. Always eat more. Yeah. Um, did you do any sort of like formal training or take classes for fun or anything to kind of drive that a little bit further versus, um, you know, it being more of an organic passion mm-hmm. for you? You know, I really haven't had any training. I mean, the the only, I guess, training I would say that I did have was in high school. I took, took cooking, um, which actually that is part, I would say that cooking class did really teach me some things that I wouldn't have known without it. So yeah, good um, foundational work. Yeah, foundational work and just the importance of salt, which I always like talk about. The I love salt and yes. cooking with salt. And um, I feel like that I learned the importance of salt a little bit there. But I really try to absorb, um, you know, what I learn through different chefs that I meet. Um, I will go... if you know, back in the day in the day of restaurants, 
I would always try to meet the chef or talk to the chef. And, you know, one instance, there's a restaurant called Hippo that's in Highland Park. And um, my, my client, my husband and I went there on the opening night a couple of years ago, and we ate these wax beans, this wax bean salad, which sounds like the most, you know, yeah, not, I'm not sure. intriguing, I'm not sure. <laughs> like you're just kind of like, okay, wax bean salad, don't care. And the waiter was like, no, 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 you have to get this salad. And we got the salad and it, oh my gosh, it is so good. It has these toasted hazelnuts on it. It has this like shallot vinaigrette and the way that he cooks them, it's cold, but they're cooked incredible. And I decided, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go up to the kitchen and talk to him. His name's Matt Molina and he's um, a, kind of like a protege of Nancy Silverton. And like her right hand guy for a really long time before he went off on his own. And I just asked him, I said, how did you make this salad? And (laughs) I think he was taken aback in a good way. Like, oh, like she really connected with these flavors and you, you have the audacity to come up to me and say, hey, how did you make this salad? Um, So I'm going to tell you. And the thing is about chefs is that they really appreciate being appreciated in, in kind of like a, a nod like way, not like a, you know, I eat this and I eat this. It's kind of like, this was so delicious. How did you make this taste like this? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I kind of formed this friendship with him and, you know, every time we would go in there, I would go into the kitchen and chat with him and, um, that's kind of the way that I feel like I've learned is just asking, asking the people that know more than me. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. What a fun mm-hmm. story. Yeah, it is a fun story. Um, so you started in Emily's kitchen maybe two years ago, right? Is that right? Yeah. I started kind of dabbling in the idea of it in October of, so yeah, two years ago, October of 2018. Um, very, in a very non-Emily way, kind of, it was, I was very unsure and kind of like, uh, I don't know, are people going to think this is weird or annoying or, you know, just question what I'm doing or judge me. And, um, that's part of kind of the, the whole heart behind the brand growing a little bit into, you know, I can do this and I am good at this and I'm going to be confident about this and not scared and um, do what I love. So I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's such a, that's such a good message. I think everybody kind of gets in their own way. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially on social media, it's such a vulnerable space. You have, potentially everybody that you've ever known, right? Mm -hmm. Following you. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure my babysitter follows me Mm -hmm. on, you know, Facebook or some sort of social media. So it is this space of like, you're announcing something to every single person potentially that you've had contact with. Um, Mm -hmm. So I get that. And I, and I really like that. It's so important to just drive with confidence and just be unapologetically yourself. Yeah. And believe in yourself and, and know that you're not going to get it right the first time. No, No. I mean, I'm still not getting it right. I'll, and I asked my mom actually, because my parents own their own business and they have since my mom is actually the exact same age as I was when she kind of started running their business with my dad. And I said, I asked her recently, I said, when, when does it feel like you're not trying to keep your head above water? And she laughed at me and she's like, never. I mean, you're forever going to be looking to get it perfect and right. And you are getting it right, but you're forever going to be swimming, you know, Mm -hmm. swimming to, uh, to keep yourself kind of afloat. Um, and you know, it's a forever thing. It's a forever yeah. thing to, to try to um, feel like you're doing it, doing it the right way. Right. They always say you're, you know, your biggest critic or your toughest critic. And mm-hmm. so 
Mm-hmm. I think that that's probably true. You're always going to oh make God. sure that you're doing it best. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, at the time of starting um, the, am I saying it right? The blog? That's not right. You know, I, I don't, I don't call it a blog and it's something that I've, I've actually been searching for what I would call it. So I've been, I've been calling it kind of like a community okay. um, because I don't really blog. I, I would say that it's more of a space where I connect with people via video, via, um, you know, cooking classes on lives um, and creating these spice blends and sharing recipes, which is, I would say, I guess I, you could say the blog portion of it, yeah. but I'm not, I wouldn't call myself a blogger. Totally fair. Mm-hmm. Um, when you did start in Emily's kitchen, mm-hmm. you also had a job at the time, a, a quote yes. unquote traditional job. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that transition like? <laughs> like what ultimately told you, okay, I need to make Mm -hmm. a decision here. Yes. This is, this is like a big part of the in Emily's kitchen drive. And, um, I would say training wheels. Uh, so I worked for the LA times for six years in, um, advertising, marketing, and sales. And I really enjoyed it. Uh, in the beginning, I really, really did. And I was, I was pretty good at it. Um, I won the salesperson of the year for the whole sales team in 2018. Um, and, you know, after that, I kind of felt like I had hit this crescendo there. And I was asking myself, okay, so what, what is next for me? Am I going to continue to work, try to build, um, my, you know, my professional life at the LA times, or am I going to do something else? And in my heart of hearts, I knew, I knew I was never going to be at the LA times. I knew that I was never going to stay there until forever. I knew that I wanted more. I knew that I wanted to make an impact in a different way. Um, yeah. And I wanted, I wanted more purpose in, in what I did. And I felt like I was starting to lose that sense of purpose at the LA times. And, um, to be completely honest, uh, the kick that I needed, the kick in the pants that I needed came from, um, my boss at the time who, would not pay me what I needed to be paid. And um, I quickly found out the culture at the LA Times is great. I learned a lot there and it's a great place to work, but the culture was very uh, male centric. It was very, um, I was not treated the way that we should be treated as a woman, as a Mexican woman. Um, and I called them out on it multiple times. And I, I said, you know, I was, I, I knew that I was making significantly less money after being awarded the salesperson of the year and it didn't matter. And, uh, I said, you know what? It's not, it wasn't about, it wasn't about money. Never was about money. It was about the fact that uh, oh, okay. Sorry. It was about the fact that I wasn't feeling like respected or, um, I wasn't feeling like I mattered. I didn't feel like I, I, I mattered and that any, it didn't matter what I did or didn't do. They weren't going to, um, support me in the way that I needed. So I said, you know what? I got to do this. I got to leave this job and I got to start my own business. Ever since I was a kid, when people ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I always said, I want to be the boss. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what, I, what, of what, but I want to be the boss. And, um, I knew 
at, you know, a year ago after multiple conversations and um, coming to the realization that the LA Times has served its purpose for me and it was time for me to move on. And I was so ready and so excited. Um, And that confidence, you know, to, I'm sure you, you know, there comes a lot of anxiety in asking for more from a company or asking for a raise or asking for recognition and whatnot. And I think as a young woman, um, it's very easy to be dismissed. So um, getting the confidence to say, I'm going to leave and I'm starting my own business and it's going to rock and you're going to be sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And that I will say that felt that really, I think catapulted this like energy for in Omi's kitchen, like let's go a hundred percent. I'm in charge of my own life professionally and um, I'm going to do it and I can do it. So that's, yeah, I no, there's, got to where it was. There's a lot in there. I mean, I I think to your point, like people are so nervous to be able to ask for what they want. And mm-hmm. I was having a discussion with somebody recently that said that when you actually I think this episode will have come out by the time by the time yours does, so it's okay to quote it. But uh-huh. um know your worth and then add tax. Mm -hmm. And I love that because I think a lot of people, at least instinctually, they know their worth, but they're afraid to say something about it. And Mm -hmm. I think that extra layer of adding the tax on Mm -hmm. is, I don't know, it's like a wha-bam, you know? Um, So I, I love that you went for it and I love that you decided what was a better route for you and you just never looked back since that's such an awesome story yeah I have <laughs> not looked back since I've only I haven't even been gone for a year yet and it feels like a different life it really yes. does and mm-hmm. I'm sure amongst a pandemic as well oh my gosh <laughs> probably yeah. a huge <laughs> huge shift for you <laughs> very very different very big yeah <clears throat> um well, so let's get into kind of the nitty gritty of your spice blends. Yeah. That looks so heavenly. Um, you said there were four of them. Mm-hmm. There, can we go, can we there, go into each one? Yes. Okay. So I'll start with my signature spice, which is my first blend that I came out with. Um, I spent probably four months uh, perfecting this spice blend. I kept coming back to it and just like tweaking it ever so slightly. I want to say like a hundred times because I was trying to find before, like you get the spice, the actual recipe you want, you think about what you want, you know, the, the outcome. So what I was wanting the outcome to be was to be something that anybody could feel comfortable and excited to use on literally anything. So kind of like your everyday anything spice blend that's unique in the way that they don't they can't just go to the grocery store and buy it. You know, it's not filled with salt and uh, you know, garlic powder. It's it's got interesting, unique flavors that maybe take a lot more um ingredients to make that you wouldn't need to necessarily put into your food, if that makes sense. So like lemon peel is one of the ingredients in the signature spice, which I, I love lemons. I like have like a thing with lemons and um, acid and like what it brings to food. And the lemon peel, you won't really find that in any other spice blend that you get at yeah. the grocery store. It brings in this unique flavor that you like your tongue is looking for your 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 taste buds are looking for like this kind of tart like a tang like a brightness in um in your food that you can you can get from a squeeze of lemon but then you have to say in the recipe oh and then add a squeeze of lemon or add this and add that so 
um, the goal the goal with the signature spice was to create something to create this end product that was like these are a hundred things you can make with this one spice blend and it works on every single one so for instance um last couple of weeks ago i made a, a tri-tip and i rubbed the the whole spice blend all over the tri-tip and then sous vide it and then like seared it and it it tasted like um like a santa maria kind of tri-tip that uh, is like so traditional and it tasted incredible but then you could also mix like last night um i mixed it into some sour cream with some pepper and chives and you made a really good chips and uh, like your own um sour cream and onion dip or whatever like the stuff that you get in a baggie that's like all salt and like bad for you yeah yeah um so this spice blend like it means a lot to me like i it's kind of like my little baby um because I spent so I wanted it to just be perfect. And I knew it's interesting, like the integrity that I feel like I had in my gut about this was that I, I wasn't going to put out something that I wasn't absolutely in love with or that I I, I needed to I need to stand by behind it and buy it 180 percent, you know, every time. Of course. Of course. Um, and so we I finally got to this point where I had the perfect mixture of all of the things and I feel confident that I can tell anybody, you can put this on, you can put this on anything. And I promise you, you will love it and um, probably use it every day, honestly. So that's, that's the first one kind of, sorry, that was like kind of long winded, but um, it kind of needed it. Um, and then the next one was my Mexican Fiesta blend which is kind of an ode to me uh, growing up eating lots of Mexican food. And my, my, my mom's not Mexican, but my, she learned how to cook Mexican food from my dad's dad. Like that was kind of their bond and their relationship. And so my mom always makes, she's a white girl, but she makes the best Mexican <laughs> food. Um, and obviously my dad makes great Mexican food with her, but I was I, I wanted to kind of give Mexican food like a little bit more um, credit. You know, it's really easy to to classify Mexican food as like this kind of like not that like a really simple thing to make. It doesn't have that much thought into it. Oh, it's just, you know, add, um, you know, chili powder, which is not it's that's not even like any Mexican <laughs> food um, at all, actually. I love that you're upset about it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like chili, but no, okay. But I wanted to kind of, you know, give it its, give it a little a pedestal of almost to say, you know, there's and Mexican food is intricate and it takes a lot of skill and time and there's so many layers to it. So I wanted to really talk about like kind of bring to light the fact that Mexican food has a lot to it. It's not just, you know, rice and beans, like with, you know, a shake of taco seasoning. Yeah. Um, there's more to it. So that's the, the Mexican one, which I love. I'm making actually steak taco or steak burritos tonight. Michael was like, I really want a burrito. I'm like, all right, I'll make burritos. So I'm making some um, steak burritos tonight with that. Yeah. By the way, while you're talking, I'm getting so hungry. I know. I'm I am like too, close to dinner, so I'm like drooling <laughs> over here. <laughs> I know. I'm kind of, I am too. But, um, and then the next one is the uh, burger and steak blend, which is really interesting because I would say 50% of the blend is mushroom. It's ground oh. mushrooms. Yeah. So there's porcini and boliti mushrooms, which make uh, beef, tastes like beefier it's it's got that umami flavor that is the fifth or the sixth flavor it's like there's sweet salty sour or sweet salty sour uh spicy and um oh and bitter and then umami is that sixth one that's kind of like it tastes like it's like beefiness um with but it doesn't have any beef in it it's it's mushroom um And I love it, of course, on like a cheeseburger on a steak, but I recently just made some um, vegetarian beef, beef stroganoff, but I made it with mushrooms and I use the the spice blend with it. And it's like, it really makes it taste 
like meaty, like, like really like robust and um, like beef, even though there was no beef in it. Yeah. Um, it's crazy what food can do. Yeah, it is. And then the last one's the, the taste of India one that I just recently released, which is also a special, I mean, they're also special to me, but the taste of Indian one is really special. There's 15 spices in it. Oh my gosh. Um, everything from cardamom to mango powder. I mean, ginger, there's so much to it. Uh, and that, that one actually took me a long time to perfect as well, because I wanted to really honor the flavors of India and um, how, how, how many layers and how, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, dynamic it is how it's, it's very, there's a lot going on and there's a lot to unpack with all those flavors. So yeah, it's, they're, they're fun. They're really fun. I actually cook with them almost every night, which is exactly what, what I want the goal to be for my community. Yeah. Make it more accessible. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I would love to know a little bit more around like kind of the details and the intricacies of actually how like all the grunt work, if you will, of how it gets made, right? You're talking about 18 different ingredients that go into one thing. Mm -hmm. How are you sourcing all of that? Are you literally doing all of this by hand? Do mm -hmm. you, you know, all of the things? <laughs> oh yeah. It's, it's, we'll get into the nitty gritty. Um, I source a lot of my spices from the spice district in downtown LA, which is great. Um, I'm able to, to get, you know, five pound bags of basil and of garlic and of onion and paprika and whatnot. And then there's some um, more specialty ones like the uh, there's applewood smoked salt in the burger and steak blend. And there's also the mushroom powders, which are really hard to find. Um, so I, I special order those through um, another vendor of mine. And then for the Indian ones, I like to get a lot of those spices from actual Indian um, spice markets. So it, we're, I'm getting them from all over the place um, yeah. because I want the best, the best of the best, you know, and that you can't, you can't, I can't um, compromise on, on flavor. I just can't do it. You know, the, you, sure. there are cheaper, more accessible places to get things, but I, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make, a spice blend that's unique, authentic, delicious, and um, and really and special and special for people. So that's kind of like where I grab all the spice blends from. Um, the nitty gritty of making it, yeah, it's it is uh, it is a lot for for one person. Um, I do make everything by hand. I package it all by hand. Each one um, I label. Every, you know, I put on every label, Michael, my husband helps me put the labels on sometimes, but, um, it's, I am kind of doing all the steps from start to finish. Um, very, you know, there's nothing fancy going on here. I don't have any assistance. I don't have, um, a production place. It's, it's all out of my house, which um, that's also part, part of the nitty gritty was getting your business license and your seller's permit and your food handler's permit and your, you know, a health inspector coming to our house and inspect where I'm making the spices. And I actually have a little A that I'm supposed to display it like in front of my house, like in front of my window, like a food grade. Oh yeah. So there's a lot, a lot to it. And that that process started in December and took about three months for me to get all of the cottage foods you know, operations like permit. Like I wanted to do it right. You know, I didn't want to yeah. just, I didn't, I wanted to check all the boxes. And yeah. um, so we have all that, you know, it's a hundred percent safe, of course, and legit. And um, we're doing it all from, in Elmay's kitchen, in my actual kitchen. I know. I see it all behind you. That's so yeah. Cool. Yeah. This is like the, all all the spices. They're all kind of hanging out with me. I'm sure it smells so good in there. It it does. It, like people, I think I'm like 
get used to it. So I don't even like really notice it, but people are like, oh my God, it smells so good in here. I'm like, oh, I totally <laughs> forgot. I probably yeah. smell like cumin all the time. <laughs> Which is an amazing scent, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have any in the works? I don't know if you're able to share. Yeah, I do. I, I do have a lot actually in the works, which I'm really excited about for the holidays. Ooh. So yeah, there's, there are three, actually there are four that will be being released very soon and all together. Dang. And it busy. will, uh-huh, yeah. And it will be, um, holiday, it will be a limited edition for oh, cool. the holidays. And there's another one that's in, in the works as well. So, um, right, we'll have to keep an eye out. Yeah. There's, there's a lot coming <laughs> a lot. So, um, I want to shift gears a little bit into kind of your overall marketing and business. Um, and one of the things that I always love to uncover is people's like brand, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously you have created your own unique brand for it in Emily's kitchen. Um, mm-hmm. I'd love to hear, you know, how that story came about and how maybe it's evolved over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think what I've been kind of saying about having a sense of confidence and leaning into, um, the colorfulness of, cooking and being, um, you know, a, a young woman that's kind of trying to just go after something that's maybe unconventional. Um, it's a vibrant kind of exciting, a little bit of a little bit, sometimes all over the place, but (laughs) at the same time, really focused. Um, so really quick. So what's like, what was the the first part of the question? How did you find your branding, your Mm, story mm -hmm. for in Emily's kitchen? I think a lot of the times with, with people, um, it comes like, as you go, like it kind of like you find these things. And when I was first starting the brand, I, I was kind of confused. I couldn't really make a decision. (laughs) Because I happen to be uh, very indecisive, which I, I wish I wasn't. I, I just am. And, you know, I'm the kind of girl that orders something off on the menu and um, I agonize over it until it comes. And then oh my I, God, I'm the exact same. Yeah. And you're, I, you order it and you're like, oh, my God, I actually really want to blah, 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 whatever. Yeah, that's me. OK, so I was really struggling with what I wanted um, in Elmi's Kitchen to look like, to feel like, because there were so many different parts. And I, and then it hit me. It's like, well, I can, I can have all these things be part of the brand. Um, but it, they just have to be focused. So having a lot, like I was saying, having a lot of a brightness, of color of vibrancy is really important to Enelma's Kitchen to kind of represent, um, diversity in, uh, in what I'm cooking and, um, are the type of person or the type of what it means to be a woman, you know, to me, and that's, uh, to be confident and different and diverse and, um, not, you know, speak up, be, be, use your voice, be loud, be the boss. Don't, don't shy away. Don't, um, don't be scared to, to use your voice. And I think that kind of like, I kind of felt like as the brand was starting, I was kind of taking these, like I was like going down a grocery aisle with my shopping cart and I kept finding these things I wanted to add into my cart. And all together, you know, one of them by itself doesn't really make any sense, but all together it comes, it comes together as this kind of, beautiful, colorful place with lots of flavor, lots of personality, um, and no, uh, apologies about it. No, um, trying to, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? No, trying to not make excuses for it, but no, trying to, um, make people try to like, get it, 
you know, yeah. or make people try to accept it or um, give you their, you know, their praise or say, oh, yeah, you're doing the you're like, you have my approval. I'm not you're yeah. not seeking for approval. You're you're doing what feels good to you and you should be proud of it. And that's kind of um, that was kind of like a little bit of the the conduit into what Enelma's Kitchen has become. And one of the the branding pieces that I have on all of my spices and a lot of my, um, all my spice blends and then kind of every, everywhere that I am is a butterfly. And to me, that, that represents a, a lot. It represents um, my, like the relationship I have with my family, people that are, you know, no longer here, people that are still here, um, and it also represents that we're constantly growing and uh, metamorphosis is constant. We're, we're constantly changing, and, um, but we're never alone in it. You know, we're, we're never by ourselves. We're, we're, always, um, we're always with somebody. You know, uh, somebody else is always feeling the same thing that we're probably feeling, and we're not alone um, in, in growing and changing and um, becoming a beautiful butterfly that's just kind of flying through life, which right now it kind of feels like it kind of feels like that's really important to to focus on with our our current state of this country and um, and the the pandemic. So, yeah, it's funny. All of those things that you just described about yourself evolving into the brand while intentional for you mm-hmm. that's how i've always known you right you are unapologetic you are often loud you mm-hmm. are charismatic you have all of these qualities about you that i think it kind of just naturally got you to a point where you i mean it's exactly like the butterfly right mm-hmm. you kind of just evolved and, and turned into somebody who is accepting all of those things and and not apologizing for them. I, I, I think that's so exactly. Personal. And, you know, in the beginning, I will say it, I was trying to like fit into like one of those molds almost that's like, okay, well this person, this brand kind of looks like this. They're really minimal and really lots of white space and really beautiful. Yeah. And I just couldn't do it. It just wasn't, you know, it just wasn't, it didn't feel right. And I couldn't, I couldn't stay there. I kept like yeah. drawing outside the lines, coloring outside the lines with bright colors instead of like, you know, neutrals and whites and whatnot. I, but that's, I I needed to kind of let that happen, you know, be like, okay, just Emily, just go with it. This is, this is what the brand is. This is who you are behind the brand and be, be proud of it and, and just go, just go. Yeah. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Like Mikey says. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> um, what do you think are some of the common misconceptions about being a business owner? Um, I think, well, I think there's a common misconception about um, not being a business owner also. Like, it's almost kind of like, I, I sometimes I feel like I need to, to explain like, yes, I, I own a business. I'm a business owner. Um, this is my, this is my job. This is how I make money. Um, and I think that a lot of the times with being an entrepreneur, you're kind of having to, um, explain to people that this is your job and you are passionate about it. And, um, Yes, this is real. This is my real job. This is what I do. <laughs> yeah. So beyond that, the common misconceptions about being a business owner, other than not being a business owner, um, that it's easy. <laughs> that maybe you can, uh, you know, create your own schedule, which to an extent, yes, but that also means that you're actually never not working. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's sometimes hard for people to understand, um, the amount, like the small pieces that go into, uh, into being a business owner and 
the, the cost actually of being a business owner because you're the overhead with a business is there. And I, I think that people don't even think about it. It's not something that they're like, you know, they don't care about. It's just something that they don't, it doesn't even cross their mind that um, you have to put in, you know, like I recently just got a, a package for new um, packaging, like a shipment for new packaging to check out to see if how I like it and whatnot. And, um, you know, I, it, it's just these like little intricacies things that you're constantly like take, you're constantly taking something off your plate to, to put something else on it. That's completely different. You know, I was just eating salmon and now you're throwing chocolate in my face. I, I don't know how to, I can't do both of them at the same time. Just yeah. hold on a second. Yeah. So, um, I think, the, the biggest misconception is that it's um, that it's not that, you know, complicated, whereas it's actually there's so many pieces to it. And I, I'm, I know you understand this. It's like focusing on one thing before the next thing is happening can be really difficult um, because you've got the production, you have the, um, you know, the actual like business side of it. You have the the marketing, you have to be growing your email list, you have to be creating new content constantly, you have to be engaging with your community, you, you know, there's, there's a lot. And then at, at the same time, you also have to like live, you know, and, um, you know, go to bed and play with your dog and, you know, go on Do a that. date, go, yeah, <laughs> play with your dogs. Um, so I think, I think that's probably the biggest thing. And I, I don't think it's like a, 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 a thing that's like, oh, I don't care about what it, the intricacies of being a business over, owner. So I'm, you know, I don't understand it. I think it's more like people just don't know what it, you know, what goes into mm -hmm. it. And it's not, it's, I love it. I wouldn't trade it for anything, but it's, it's not a glamorous thing always. It sometimes can be really um, nitty gritty. Totally. Yeah. What do you think is the ultimate goal for in Emily's kitchen? Where do you hope that it not ends up, but where would you like to see it go from here? Okay. I have two answers. Okay. The first answer is more of a um, fairy tale answer. Okay. So there's this movie. Have you seen the movie? It's complicated with uh, Meryl Streep and Alec Baldwin. Yes, yes, yes. She So that movie is actually kind of loosely based on Joan from Jones on 3rd and her store. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What? Yeah. You should, watch it. you should watch it. It's actually, there's a lot of similarities with her story and it's complicated. So in, in the movie, and if you don't know Jones on 3rd, uh, she's this lovely woman who's actually become a friend of mine, somebody else that I've kind of connected with. And she has this gorgeous um, store and restaurant and kind of boutique. And she's there every day. She's making the food. She's testing it every day to make sure it's up to her standard, um, her standards. And she's, uh, you know, just loving it. She's like loving every second of being there and eating and, uh, you know, eating French butter, you know, I mean like these just yummy things that she makes. And, um, at her location, she also has a bakery and she also has co beautiful cookbooks and spice blends and, um, special specialties that you can't really find anywhere else. And, um, I look up to her as somebody that I want to be, you know, I want to be, I want to have that beautiful, big storefront and be in the kitchen, you know, making testing and actually like making the things and cooking and, um, make it a space for everybody to come to every day that they just want to go to every single day. Um, and that's kind of in the movie, it's complicated. It's, it's a great, uh, it's, it parallels Jones kind of seamlessly and it's, ugh, I love it. Um, so that's, 
that's my little fairy tale goal, which I don't know if so much if it's a fairy tale because I think I can do it if I really wanted to. For sure you can. Um, but <clears throat> on a smaller scale for right now, the goal for me is to continue to make spice blends but expand not only where we're going to be but also go into sauces, go into soups, and go into salad dressings. I've been saying this for a long time that I've wanted to, you know, start creating yummy food. Like Amy, do you know Amy's um, fine food or Amy's foods? Mm -hmm. So, and also Newman, have you heard of, I'm sure you know, Newman's Lemonade. Okay. So these are two brands that started with like Newman's Lemonade started just as like they, he just started selling lemonade. That was all he focused on. And now he has his pasta sauces. He has his, you know, the soups you have, there's so many different, (laughs) yeah, yeah. There's so much that, that Newman's is now doing. And same with Amy's, you know, it started off as like, they really wanted to make really delicious frozen meals and they have done. And then it kind of like evolved into soups and so much more. And, um, that's kind of a little bit of like a, a path that I can see in Emily's kitchen going down. I, I want to make the, the biggest thing is just the production. You know, I, I can't do it quite yet, but I think I will be able to pretty soon. And I want to focus on soups, salad dressings and um, sauces. That so, sounds awesome. Yeah. It's gonna, it, I'm hoping it's going to be soon. So fingers crossed. <laughs> Yeah, if all if all continues at this rate. But. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I want to pivot now into a section where I get to know you on a little bit more of a personal level. Okay. Um, more about like your habits and kind of what makes you tick. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any non-negotiables for the week? Like something that you just absolutely have to do or have or something that that makes you feel complete Mm -hmm. um I think spending time like my husband and I we've been together for 11 years we're high school sweethearts we've been married for two years um oh my gosh I'm gonna like get emotional about this I don't know know why um it's really important to me that I we spend like every night just the two of us you know, having at least a little time just for us to kind of like connect. It's, um, I just, I love them so much. Oh, I love this. That's so sweet. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of like a silly answer, but the non-negotiables for me is, um, I, I want to be with Michael. I, we need our time every day, period, no matter what that's, yeah. That's really my only non-negotiable. It's so important. Mm-hmm. Totally. Relationships are crucial. So and he's, I, he's I love been, that answer. Yeah, he's been such like he's been the best cheerleader, um, assistant, you know, advice giver, just supporter of Inomi's kitchen. And um he makes me feel like I can do anything. So mm-hmm. I know I always see him, you know, in your videos. <laughs> Being your hype girl, hype man, excuse me. Yeah, he's my hype man, my cameraman, my all the things. I love it. I love it. Um, Do you have any particular morning routine or evening routine? Mm -hmm. I have both. So in the morning, I like to wake up early. I used to like sleeping in. And now I just, I, I hate sleeping and I feel like it's like, oh my God, I woke up at 8.30. I feel like half the day is gone. So I like to wake up early. Um, I make coffee and uh, usually light a candle or turn on some, um, uh, a diffuser of some kind just to kind of like get my intentions right for the day. I open up all of the, um, the blinds. I want like as much natural light as possible And, um, I kind of just try to have like a calm moment for like in my, and I'll get back in my bed and just sit in my bed and drink coffee. And usually my dog, um, Nala is just chilling with me. Michael's gone at this point because he leaves for work really, really, really early. Um, 
and kind of get my my intention kind of ready for the day is like okay today i'm you were starting it off like really calmly and um not to sound like cliche but with like being being grateful that i get to be and where i am and um and i feel good i feel health i have my health i've got my family i've got um everything that i could ever want um let's get our day started and that's probably like a 15 minute routine. Um, and I typically, I, I like to sweat in the morning. I, I'm not an evening sweater. I'm like a morning sweater. So um, sounds kind of weird. Sorry. But uh, I, I like to like break a sweat. Um, it just makes me it makes me feel good. I, can't, I don't do it every day. I would be lying if I said I did. Um, <laughs> I do it maybe two to three times a week if I'm lucky. Um, but that kind of like helps me get like, all right, let's go. Let's go. And um, then I can really start my day. And that looks like a lot of different, like running around, getting spices, making spices, packaging orders, working on the, the social media part of it, um, shooting. Pic- I do a lot of my shoots actually in the morning. Um, so I'll make, I'll make, you know, whatever it is at night for dinner. And I'll make a third portion that I can actually shoot in the morning Oh, with wow. morning, the morning light, um, which is make uh, the light lighting is a bit makes a big difference. That's kind of like the hard thing about being a food person is when you make it, you're like, oh, okay, now I have all this food and it's like ten o'clock in the morning. What am I gonna do? You know. Yeah. So I like to make it be like at night for dinner, and then um, shoot it in the morning, and then I have lunch, like which is usually that. Um, so that's kind of like the morning routine. Um, and then it's, it's a hundred different things. Uh, and then at night, um, like I would say, it's like me and MJ, which like have like our time, we hang out, we love to watch Jeopardy. Like Jeopardy is kind of like our like geeky thing that we like, okay, it's seven o'clock. Let's like sit back, drink (laughs) drink a glass of wine and watch Jeopardy. Um, and then at nighttime, um, I think it's, I, I have to like get my um, my diffuser like all set up and like I like to like maybe drink like a cup of tea and then get in bed, maybe watch like some stupid show like Great British Baking Show or Office yes. or uh, Parks and Rec or Veep. Like I need like a twenty minute like decompression, and then and then we do it all over again. Wake up and do it again. Yep. Mm-hmm. I always save the best for last, although this okay. may or may not be the last, but okay. um, it's a bigger one <clears throat> and something that kind of sets up what this podcast means to me. Um, mm-hmm. You and I have talked about this, but um, the term success, right? Mm-hmm. It means something different to every single person. And as it should, it shouldn't be a one size fits all. Mm-hmm. But what does that term success mean for you specifically? Um, I think that we could have that conversation every single day for the rest of our lives. It's, it's something that to be completely honest and, um, you know, just real with you is like, I don't know some days, you know, and some days I do, I feel like I know what the meaning of success for me means. And other times I question it. And wonder, um, you know, at what point will I feel like I've hit success, you know, because I feel like I've already hit, like, it's kind of a moving target, it almost feels like constantly. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, um, I guess I kind of have two answers. The first answer is, I don't know. And the second answer is, yes, I do. And um, I think it, for to be successful, to me, doesn't mean making you know, one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, a million dollars a year, a, a number on money. I think success is all about how you feel throughout your day, and it's not just like a like okay, boom, I've hit success for the day. It's kind of like you're you're trying to be successful in everything that you do in your life, and whether that's, um, you know, making a really yummy dinner, you know, for the day. It's like, that was, that was a success. 
you know, and you, you hear that, that saying, well, that, that was a success. And I think that's kind of the more important takeaway for me is how often, how many times a day am I going to say, oh, that was a success. Probably nine times out of 10, things are going to be a success. So that's 90%. That sounds like a successful thing, a success to me. Um, and putting, putting a, a definition on it is nearly impossible. And to, like I was saying, I really struggle with like understanding what it truly means because it's, it's just a different target every day, but that's kind of like where this, um, the, this idea of, or a metaphor of a butterfly to me, it's that we're constantly changing. We're constantly, you know, going through some sort of metamorphosis and, um, it doesn't stop. Um, and sometimes you have to roll with the wind and you're blown somewhere that you don't recognize, um, but you're still flying. So um, that's in a nutshell what I, I, what maybe I think success means to me. So I'm going to try to keep- No, this is why I love this question so much is because every single person's answer has been different. And Mm -hmm. that's the beauty of it is Mm -hmm. it's going to evolve and it's you know, even if I went back and asked those people that same question, maybe today, it might be a different answer as well. So mm-hmm. I think that I like what you said, it, it is ever evolving, it's a moving target, and it's yeah. whatever it means for you specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up, if you're good with it, I would love to do a quick rapid fire. Of course. Love You're it. not allowed to explain anything. Okay. I'm just going to ask a question and you say the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Okay. It'll be super quick. It's all food related. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Okay. What is your favorite food? Tacos. Crunchy or smooth peanut butter? Crunchy. Favorite where to, whoa, favorite way to prepare your eggs? Poached. Most underrated condiment? Yellow mustard. Guilty food pleasure? Spicy Cheetos. (laughs) Something you could eat every single day for the rest of your life? Probably sushi. Mm. Something that everyone loves that you don't? Licorice. Is a hot dog a sandwich? No. Favorite restaurant in LA? I have Parkway Grill. Ooh, okay. For I, I, <laughs> I, I want to explain it, but I can't. Uh, well, that's all I have. If you want to explain mm-hmm. it, you can. It's just a place that, like, I, my family and Michael and I have, like, just, it's where we go for all of the special things. It's oh, kind yeah. of like sentimental. Our, it's yeah, it's a sentimental place. It's yeah. the food's great too, but it's not so much. It's not really about the food. It's about everything it's else. So much more than the food. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it really is. Um, okay, so we're gonna wrap up, but before we do, why don't you tell everyone where we can find you? Social media, website, etc. Yeah. So on social media, I'm on Instagram as in Emily's Kitchen. Um, you can purchase the spice blends through my Instagram, but also if you just want to do, it's super simple. It's just shop.inemilyskitchen.com to, to buy the spice blends. And then I have all of my recipes that use my spice blends 80% of the time, um, on inemilyskitchen.com. So you can shop through inemilyskitchen.com or shop.inemilyskitchen.com or even my Instagram, um, and if you sign up for my email newsletter, um, you'll typically be the first to know about all announcements, get discounts, special recipes that I don't share on my website. And um, yeah, just lots of other little goodies that are going to be coming very soon um, that I'm really excited about. So I'll, I'll throw this out there because I think it will probably already be out there, but there is going to be a pumpkin spice blend coming yes. soon, but it's going to be 
unlike any other pumpkin spice blend. Okay. I'll, I'll give teaser. you that teaser. Yeah. A little teaser. And yeah. I'll make sure to add all of your links and websites to the show notes as well so everyone can find you. Perfect. Cool. Thanks, Emily. Thank you so much, Rachel. Oh my gosh. You are, you know, an inspiration. I'm so proud of you. You're, you're off. You are a badass. So <laughs> um, thank you for asking me about my badassness on your badass podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> this was so fun. It was fun. Thank you so, so much. All right. That's it for today. Don't forget to follow along for more on Instagram at you might be a badass podcast and let me know your thoughts about today's show. And I'll see you again. Same time, same place next week.